Hello, welcome back to the Space Between Patreon Pod edition. We're excited to be coming to you today with our reaction to the Odysseus lander and it falling over. <laughs> so that's uh, that's just the, I guess that's exactly where we're going to start, is we, we made this whole episode pontificating on the glories of landing on the moon, only to be told about four hours after we recorded that it was gonna it landed on the moon sideways, um, and it's and it's not working properly at the moment, and it's about to die here, according to Reuters, in about ten to twenty hours of remaining battery life. So, uh, I mean, where do we start? And I I also want to say apologies. I had said in the episode that we dropped yesterday of the podcast, the official podcast that's available for everyone, that um, we were going to be dropping this react today. We were actually postponed to see if NASA was going to make an announcement. They announced that they're going to do a televised statement with intuitive machines tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just leave this where it is. Um, but so it fell over. I I'm frustrated to hear that. Uh, I guess Dawson just straight up. What are, what are the implications in your mind that the Odysseus lander didn't land properly and now <laughs> What does that do to the future of privatized space exploration? Well, thankfully, they've been able to communicate with it. It's just been more difficult to communicate with Odysseus because the signal in which they get from the receiver is pointed away on Odysseus. So if it was standing straight up, it would be able to communicate and send its signal back and forth better. But because it's currently facing towards the ground, it is harder to communicate with Odysseus and get images back that we have and that we've seen, which, which thankfully we have seen images and they've been releasing them. And, and you can see them on Intuitive Machines X page that they have on Twitter. And uh, they've basically just been giving updates there about, you know, where it's at, how the flight controllers continue to communicate with Odysseus. And as of this morning, Odysseus efficiently sent payload science data and imagery in furtherance of the company's mission objectives, thankfully. And the flight controllers are working on final determination of battery life to help determine whether or not it has about, you know, 10 to 20 additional hours left. And that's partly due because the solar panels and the, the ways that they were going to be getting energy from the sun to be able to help power this are, are not facing towards the sun. And, and, and they're not getting the amount of sunlight that they need. They're still getting sunlight, just not the same amount of sunlight as it would have been if it would have been standing up. So, gotcha. Yeah, I I need to figure out how long the mission was supposed to go in the first place. I don't think it was going to be that long anyways. So it was it was projected to be 7 to 10 days. Okay. And so it put down it put down this last Thursday. Um we're recording this on a Tuesday. So um it's going to be cut short by just a couple of days. It's going to get about 5 5 maybe 6 days of realistic use when they were anticipating 7 to 10. Mm. So it's it's not a total bust. Um, but there's there's a couple of things that really stood out to me. First of all, um, as of yesterday, and now this this number has fluctuated greatly, but yesterday, according to Reuters, shares of Intuitive Machines plunged by 35% on Monday. Ooh. So Intuitive Machines took a major hit. Reuters then came back and said that the company's shares were down 8% today. Uh, pairing losses after Intuitive said it was still in touch with the lander. Still, the stock has wiped out most of its gain since last week. Um, so any of the money that the company, the private company, had made from a stock market perspective, 
perspective. And wow, these guys actually did it. They made good on what they said they were going to do. Stock goes up. It lands on its side. Stock plummets. They say, wait, it's not as bad as we thought it was, even though it's not great. And so it kind of almost breaks even. I don't know. It's, it's crazy. But listen to this. Intuitive Machines has said it spent roughly $100 million on the lander and received $118 million from NASA under the agency's Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program, a low-budget effort to spur flights to the moon by private enterprise. Um, and it also made history, according to Reuters. It was also the first lunar landing ever by a commercially manufactured and operated space vehicle, and the first under NASA's Artemis program, which aims to return astronauts to Earth's natural satellite this decade. So still historic moment, still historic landing, but it went wrong. And mm-hmm. and the thing that's really bothersome to me about this is that in the Reuters article, they talk about, and we'll we'll put this on our website, we'll put it in our sources um, that you can check out, www.spacebetween.com. And you, there, there's a little tab that says sources. It's where we usually try to put all of our articles that we reference um, so that you can see what we were looking at, where we're getting our information from. And um, here's what's really bothersome to me is that it, it says an intuitive machines official said the loss of the range finders, which were the equipment that failed that they had to create a patch for while using NASA's equipment to try and land this thing anyway, which is why it delayed the landing of the module Extra by one yeah. lap around the moon, by one orbit. Yeah, one, one orbit. It says that... Um, The company's forecast for a premature end to the mission came as new details emerged about testing shortcuts and human error that led to an in-flight failure of the spacecraft's laser-guided rangefinders ahead of its landing last Thursday near the moon's south pole. An Intuitive Machines official said the loss of the rangefinders stemmed from the company's decision to forego a test firing on the laser system to save time and money during pre-flight checks of Odysseus at NASA's Kennedy Space Center in Florida. And here's the direct quote from Mike Hansen, the company's head of navigation systems. There were certainly things we could have done to test and actually fire it. They would have been very time-consuming and very costly. So that was a risk as a company that we acknowledged and took. No. Uh, As someone that's looking forward to seeing how the privatization of space goes, absolutely not. That's that's the last thing that I want to hear from a privatization of space that's in affiliation with the Artemis missions that's trying to put humans on the moon is that we knew that there might have been a problem because it would have taken time and been expensive. We said, nah, we're not going to test it. And then what do you know? It failed. And because it failed, that's likely why, the, why Odysseus is landing on its side mm-hmm. at the moon. No. If you're, if you're going to be trying to put humans in space, that, that inspires no confidence in me at all that intuitive machines if they're not going to take the time to do that with the lunar lander that's not manned are they going to take the time to do that with actual people i hope so i mean there's there's clearly a a much greater risk reward in doing that with people but this is not the first time that we've seen space exploration space companies nasa's included in this cut corners and then there were problems that arose there's a I, I think it's a fairly damning um, documentary on Netflix that I watched recently about um, the the explosion of the space shuttle Challenger, Challenger and the corners that were cut by NASA because they were running out of time that resulted in the explosion of the space shuttle. I was like, whoa, 
there were people that knew that this was likely going to happen and they did it anyway. And they tried to tell NASA no. Now, granted, Netflix, I get it. I, I'm, I, I need more information on this. <laughs> But it's it, this is not a, this is not a controversial take, at least in my mind. So mm -hmm. I I think it's very problematic to have intuitive machines come out and say, ah, yeah, we did kind of cut some corners. We knew it was a risk, and we took it. Yeah. You, well, why would you risk a hundred million dollars? Like, what are we doing, dude? That's the crazy thing about this, and 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 the engineers that were involved in too that that partly knew what they what they had done with a switch that that ultimately needed to be unswitched i don't know if you see this at the end of the reuters article on friday intuitive machines disclosed that the lar the laser rangefinders that we were talking about designed to feed altitude and forward velocity velocity readings to odysseus autonomous navigation system were inoperable because the company engineers neglected to unlock the laser's safety switch before launch on February 15th. So it really just, it hurts to think that a simple safety lock, which is akin to a firearm safety switch that can only be disabled by hand, was what prevented, what could have been done to prevent all this from happening. So that's really the thing that hurts me the most is it does seem like a simple fix yeah. and, and also double checking and making sure you go through like we were talking about that everything is up to speed hey guys colby here if you want to check out the rest of this episode you can on our patreon you can go to www.spacebetweenpodcast.com slash patreon to see the rest of this particular patreon pod episode and to get more exclusive content from us appreciate you tuning in to the space between